The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Your host is Rochelle McLaughlin. It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present. And learn to live your life's infinite potential. Now, here's your host, Rochelle McLaughlin. Welcome, everyone, to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio was created with the intention to open up a space to support us all on the journey to learn to integrate ways of relating, ways of being, perceiving, and acting in our lives and in the world that are conducive to our individual and collective health and wellness. Because when we feel well, we will bring that wellness into the world. We will become the change we wish to see in the world. We will open up new places of power, become a sanctuary of sorts for newness to emerge, and we will help reimagine and co-create a future for humanity and all beings that we all know deep in our hearts is possible. And re-entangling ourselves with nature, as our guest today, Dr. Frederic Apfel-Marglin states it so beautifully, is quite possibly the greatest act of all because it changes everything. In this part one episode of Reentangling Humans with Nature, we will be exploring some of the profoundly destructive forces that have played into our modern disentanglement and discuss how this is playing itself out in society today. And this conversation is so important and so significant that Dr. Bio Okomolafe is here with us, with Frederic and I, to support the articulation and amplification of Frederic's profound message and her life's work. And so without further ado, allow me to introduce my co-host for this incredible two-part series, Dr. Bio Okomolafe. I had the great honor of interviewing Bio over the course of a very popular three-part series here on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio in January, featuring Bio's life and work in seeking to inspire a slowing down, an ethics of entanglement, an activism of inquiry, and a politics of surprise. And if you missed any part of Bio's amazing series, you can access it in the archives and connect with Bio's stunning body of work and learn more about his upcoming course this March with Manish Jain and Charles Eisenstein as they will be holding a special five-day course called Entangled with the World, Radical Activism, Education, and Emergence in the beautiful gardens of Schumacher College in the UK that is open to everyone. Bio, Manish, and Charles are hoping that you will join a circle of friends who are learning to think about the world in different ways and who are creating practices that open us up to other spaces of power, other ways of negotiating the difficult, confusing terrain now before us. And you can know more on Bio's website at bioacomolafe.net. So welcome, Bio, and thank you so much for being here with us today. Wonderful to be here, Rochelle. Hello, everyone. Hello. 
So our guest today, Dr. Frederic Apfel-Marglin, PhD, is Professor Emerita, Department of Anthropology at Smith College, and founded Sacha Mama Center for Biocultural Regeneration in the Peruvian High Amazon in 2009, which she directs. She has spent years in India and Peru working with indigenous peoples and with farmers. She was a research associate at the World Institute for Development Economics Research in Helsinki, a part of the United Nations University for several years in the 1980s and early 1990s, along with the Harvard economist Stephen A. Marglin. She has directed several research projects questioning the dominance of the modern paradigm of knowledge. She has authored as well as edited 14 books and published over 60 articles. In 1993, She decided for political and ethical reasons that she could no longer engage in classical anthropological fieldwork and ever since then has been invited to collaborate with activists and intellectual groups in Peru and Bolivia. Frederick's next book titled Sacred Soil, Biochar, and the Regeneration of the Earth, also with chapters by Robert Tyndall and David Shearer, published by North Atlantic Books, will be out later this year. We can hear more about that later in the show. And you can find a link to the Sachamama Center for Biocultural Re- Regeneration on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's um, webpage. On, if you go to the radio link on our website and just scroll down, and that's at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Welcome, Frederick. Thank you you so much for joining us today. Hello, everybody. Frederic, can you begin by sharing about how you came to the work that you're doing now? Because from what I, I know, your, your experience with seeking new ways of experiencing the world and academia in particular resonates very much with bios and my own experiences. If you could share a bit about that. Yes. Um, I uh, was doing field work in northeast India, in Odisha, uh, on, uh, just south of Bengal. And um, I did my early work there, and it impacted me profoundly. Uh, in fact, it transformed me for good. I arrived there as a very secular, very leftist, uh, revolutionary, and uh, I focused on a great pilgrimage center and the women temple dancers there for my first period of fieldwork. And then my second piece of fieldwork, I focused on the largest festival for the um, farmers of the coastal area, which is the menstruation of the earth and of women. And these experiences profoundly transformed me. And somehow, uh, at at some point, especially after my first book uh, was published um, and widely reviewed in the Indian press, I came to realize that somehow, uh, even if it was translated in Oriya, uh, the language in which I conducted my fieldwork in Orisha, it really would make no sense to the people that had taught me and that had tra- brought about this deep transformation in me, opened mm-hmm. my third eye, as it were. And this troubled me deeply. And in fact, it was this troubling uh, that led me to um, 
conduct some behavior in my life and make a space in my life where I felt I was being faithful to the people who had taught me and transformed me. Because in my uh, academic writing and my academic life, that aspect could not be brought in. So I was led to leave, uh, to lead a, a sort of a split life with, um, you know, my mind and my rational self, my academic self on, on publicly and privately uh, enacting rituals, which was what uh, the people who had taught me were interested in and were teaching me about. So eventually, it took a few years, um, I really got to the point where I couldn't do fieldwork anymore physically. I loved being there. I adored. I fell in love with Odessa and the people. But mm. I just couldn't do fieldwork. And I decided, you know, that's it. I really can't do fieldwork and I don't want to do fieldwork. And uh, I really came there with my own agenda and reciprocate, not thinking about what I could reciprocate uh, with, uh, and that troubled me. And I decided, okay, this is it. I'm no longer going to do field work. Should I go anywhere in the global south? I will only go if I'm invited because I have something to offer that people want. Mm -hmm. And that's how I uh, encountered in an international conference in Canada on alternatives to development, uh, a group of intellectual activists from Peru. And I was fascinated by what they were saying. And uh, I invited them to uh, my ex-husband and my uh, group uh, that we were doing, you know, we were writing and doing uh, investigations. And eventually they reciprocated by inviting me to Peru and inviting me to collaborate with them. That's how I ended up in, in Peru. Mm, it's amazing. Such an incredible story. Um, would you like to say, maybe I'll ask um, Bio if you would like to jump in here and talk a bit about how you came to know of Frederic's work and how, that's, how her work has um, touched you. Thank you so much, Rochelle. Um, I think the first time I met Frederick was um, during an online panel, uh, a workshop that we were both invited to, um, something, uh, something about the sustainable menstruation. And um, I think we kind of fell in love with each other's work. Um, I got to know about her beautiful book, Subversive Spiritualities. I was already developing some correspondence with Another professor, Karen Barad, um, who has done some beautiful work on uh, new materialist thinking. And she also wrote to me and said, the way you speak and write, this was different. This was on a different occasion entirely. And she said, the way you speak and write, um, you have to get in touch with a sister of mine, Frederick. And um, she introduced her book to me. And I just knew that we were supposed to be in deep conversation. And that's how I got to meet Frederick. That's the simple, short story. There's a long form of that, I believe, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. 
Um, I wonder if we could speak a bit, and just really kind of diving into the conditioning that, Frederick, you write about in your book, and I know, Bio, you do as well, this conditioning of our modern culture and how it's perpetuated this dualistic, mechanistic worldview that we have inherited. Maybe, Frederic, if you could first um, begin by speaking to this, and then Bio can come, come in. Yes, well, I, I first felt it, well, I've been feeling it uh, ever since my experiences in India, but increasingly uh, in academia, um, and especially at Smith, being a women's college, uh, I felt it extremely keenly that the emphasis is completely on the mind, and uh, the mind uh, unconnected to the body, unconnected to the heart, and unconnected to the larger earth body. And um, I really was very naive and thought that this being a women's college, we should do something different, uh, not uh, follow the model of the, you know, the men, the European men, uh, and do something different. And I made a speech about that at at a big reunion of alumni, and it was not received well at all. They never asked me to speak again. <laughs> so I was very, I was very naive, and I realized it, it started me on a on a long quest. Um, and I started uh, teaching courses uh, about culture and science, uh, classical science, and quickly focused on the history of the scientific revolution, and uh, realized that this separation, uh, these dualisms, uh, were in fact uh, deepened. I mean, they have deeper roots uh, in ancient Greece, classical Greece, but they were really made um, kind of the way things are, the way reality are, is, uh, during the scientific revolution and the centuries afterwards, the Enlightenment and the Industrial Revolution, and here we, here I was at Smith in a women's college where we were all to, you know, our students were supposed to be successful in this society, and um, the issues that I was raising were not welcome, and. Um, and finally, I, you know, I, I did my best. I, I was very free to make my own courses and my own syllabi. But nevertheless, the whole institution uh, was so organized and the way knowledge was divided up and the silo nature of this knowledge with no communication between disciplines and between the natural science, social science, humanities, and the arts made it that, you know, my syllabi and my one-minute meditation at the beginning of my class uh, was not making a dent, really. And that's what uh, finally, uh, when my youngest child uh, graduated from college, made me decide to retire after 26 years at Smith and an additional four years at Harvard, I decided to leave and uh, do my passion. And I had been going to 
Peru, to the high Amazon in Peru for many years then, by then for 15 years, and I really loved the place and uh, and decided to put out put down roots and commit myself to it. Actually, it was not my personal decision, I have to add. Uh, in fact, it, it arose out of a terrible crash where I thought I would never come back to Peru. And I went on a forest retreat and do, did shamanic ceremonies. And it was really, I believe, the spirits that made me do what I'm doing now. And Frederic, how- I'm going yeah. to um, stop you right there for a moment. We'll come back uh, from break. And we'd love to have you just dive right back into the story you're just sharing. But before we go, allow me to share a passage by Leslie Marmon Silco that Frederic shares in her book, Subversive Spiritualities, How Rituals Enact the World. Leslie says, they see no life when they look. They see only objects. The world is a dead thing for them. The trees and rivers are not alive. And in a chapter titled First Conceptualations of the Market Economy Economy in the 17th Century, Frederic writes, the disentanglements between the humans, the non-humans, and the other than humans occurred, giving rise to the disembedded individual and also to a de-spirited land. The disentanglement of the individual from a web of community and spirit spiritual obligations gave rise to the individual subject acting on the basis of his perceived self-interest. Not only were individuals disentangled from specific ties to place and community, but the pursuit of their self-interest eliminated the spiritual link, resulting in a general disregard for their effects their practices might have on members of both the community and the spiritual realm. These are the words of Dr. Frederic Apfel-Marglin. You can connect with Frederic to know more at her website, which is casasangapia.com, Sachamama in, and that's spelled C-A-S-A-A-N-G-A-P-I-L-L-A.com backslash Sachamama in backslash and that link is also on our website at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com under the radio page and we will be right back after these messages become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. The Hylozoists and their view of nature as in as animate and part of the human community became the abject other during the 15th, 16th, and 17th centuries. During the course of the 17th century, the view of the sub substantivized nature, agencyless, mechanical, made up of separate entities that could not move themselves and totally estranged from the world of humans, successfully displaced the hylozoist view. By the end of the 17th century, hylozoist movements had disappeared or gone underground, which is not the same as saying that many of their ideas and practices disappeared. Rather, these were recast in a dualist mechanistic framework. These are the words of Dr. Frederick um, Apfel Marglin in her book, Subversive Spiritualities. Welcome back, Frederick M. Bio. Frederick, you. Um, you, there is one quote I would love to share if we could dive into this topic. You say that we have become the lords of a secularized eternity, and if on the way we have made the air, the waters, the soils, the seas, and the atmosphere toxic, if on the way we are rendering dozens of species extinct by the day, if on the way our bodies, like the bodies of our animal companions, also become toxic, well, we are confident that the new tech- technologies of our frontier knowledge delivers us without pause, will take care of these unfortunate but tolerable side effects. In any case, growth, development, and globalization must not be allowed to slow down. We are, after all, on a victorious march to economic and technological salvation. Can we speak to this quote? And there's so much depth here in your book, Frederic, and I just I urge everyone to to get a copy and we're I'm very look, much looking forward to your new book coming out. But can we speak to this quote from your book and talk about our immense loss? Um, and as you know, I've seen Bio use the term to this fence building, the insanity behind our fence building, the um, unfortunate success of this new certainty. And how this is significant to our current status quo and the degradation of the earth and our and ourselves in the process. Well, I certainly feel that uh, you know there have been ecological uh, problems uh, before before modernity before the industrial uh, age. However, uh, we are this global ecological crisis, the climate crisis is a first in human history. And I, for one, see the roots of this in this uh, modern uh, Western worldview that not only separates us from the non-human world and what I call the other-than-human world, meaning by that uh, those beings, earth beings and other beings uh, that inhabit the non-human world, Um, And we have completely separated us from us humans, from uh, these two worlds uh, that are very entangled. And furthermore, not only we are completely separate, but 
uh, our system of knowledge and our economic system has uh, pushed us towards a increasingly individualistic um, situation where uh, one of the mark of modernity is loneliness. We are left alone without our companions and even alone uh, from our human communities. Um, and, uh, but worse than that, uh, we're not only suffering from loneliness, but worse than that, the disenchantment of the non-human world uh, has created an attitude towards it of domination. This dualism uh, between nature and culture is basically an extractivist, exploitative, colonizing uh, posture where we dominate uh, nature. And the founders of uh, the scientific revolution, the founding fathers, were very clear about that. They wanted to control and dominate nature and free ourselves from uh, necessity and restraints uh, that our embedded condition in this world uh, entails. And this is what, in my view, really uh, has uh, unleashed uh, the feeling that we can do anything we want to uh, to this world. And and also um, has, you know, fostered a competitiveness among humans uh, that uh, makes everything worse. So you have to compete against others to get anything. And the disregard for other ties, non-economic, non-work-related uh, ties, take second place. And I certainly see that as the crux of the issue. And uh, whereas, you know, at the time of this scientific revolution, um, it was also the time of the religious wars between Protestants and Catholics uh, who hated each other and were killing each other, who is gusto and brutality, but they agreed on one thing. And that one thing was to exterminate uh, the so-called witches and the occult philosophers who held uh, a view uh, that the historians label hylozoism, which means literally comes from the Greek meaning matter alive, but which was called by them anima mundi, the soul of the world. So the world had a soul and was uh, absolutely uh, throughout uh, entangled with the divine and sac sacrality and that in this great web uh, both uh, the non-human world the invisible worlds of other than humans and the human worlds were all connected and this anima mundi uh, was actually murdered <laughs> and exterminated and came to be seen fairly quickly as um, heretical, superstitious, backward, 
and uh, anything, you know, archaic, primitive, bad, and uh, relegated to the basement and the repressed unconscious of, uh, of Europe uh, at the cost, at, at huge costs. And it's still pretty much the situation. And I want to emphasize also that this view, this anima mundi view, this hylozoist uh, paradigm is extremely close, very similar to indigenous worldviews and many peasant uh, worldviews such as I encountered in Costa Lorisa. Uh, and the making these views, uh, making it out as being backward and archaic and primitive um, is totally entangled with colonialism. It's a colonial uh, posture where uh, nature is dominated and all those people considered to be closer to nature, such as all women and all non-European men and even, you know, uneducated lower class uh, white men, European men, were, uh, were to be dominated and used. Uh, and in fact, the, you know, the displaced uh, peasantry, displaced by enclosure, uh, suffered horribly in Europe. And what happened is that that attitude was exported um, uh, abroad and all over the world, basically. Bio, I know Frederic Bio has also had some incredible experiences with the people of, is it Yoruba? Is that how you pronounce yeah. it, Bio? And if you could yeah. speak to that a little bit, that would be wonderful. Just, just about right. Um, the Yoruba people. Um, um, thank you, Frederick. I was, uh, I was listening to you speak about hylozoism and the uh, matter alive, the world vibrant. And, um, you know, the, the, the themes of the themes of that the Yoruba shamans that I was privileged to meet with the themes that they deal with on a daily basis is, um, um, I mean, their practices are built around the idea that we are, we are not as independent as we think, as Western, so-called Western ontologies would have us believe that we are. We are deeply embedded, entangled with the so-called nature that is outside of ourselves. And I listen to you speak about these ideas and and how it seems that the modernity that we are gestating in today was founded, if you will, on this distrust of nature, on this deeply, um, I, I would presume to call it an anti-feminist uh, notion that we are, we uh, the body, if you will, material things are dead, irrelevant, inconsequential, and that like uh, Icarus, you know, we, our destiny is to sail towards the stars and to fly higher and higher, to transcend nature, if you will. And in a sense, my lessons with uh, those um, men that I spoke with, and, and this was uh, just like Frederick, uh, doing my um, doctorate degree, uh, pursuing and a different way to to even frame research that wasn't highly representational, that wasn't based on statistics. I was looking for a way to tell a story that wasn't going to be um, 
co-opted, if you will, by an academic industrial complex that was resistant to this hylozoic um, perspective. And those men taught me to see the world as alive from different perspectives, to, to respect, to, to the, the, I would say that the most critical intervention that came about as a result of my interactions with them was, uh, was a deconstruction of my notion of causality. This A plus B equals C idea, I was kind of introduced or, you know, ceremonially into a world that um, is promiscuous, a world that is mischievous, a world that doesn't, doesn't subscribe or adhere to the linearities of modernity or lab experimentation, a world that is much more vibrant and animated than that. And I, I, this brings me to a question, and Rochelle, um, I, I wonder if I could ask this of Frederick. That, Absolutely. Um, that these ideas about us, if I could put it in a word, we're, it, it seems we're coming down to earth. We're coming back to matter. We're coming back to the idea because, you know, you've just spoken at length about the, the fact that in a very, very strong sense, um, the disenchantments we have in the world today, the feelings of disconnect we suffer in the world today are somehow tied discursively to that moment when we decided we're separate from nature, if you will. I wouldn't put it to be a historically singular moment, but you understand what I mean. Um, in a sense, we're coming back to earth. We're coming down to earth. What, what does it mean in a time like this? And I know that um, uh, this segment will soon be, will, will soon be done, but what, what does it mean in a time like this to come back to earth? What are the real consequences of returning to a, a world that is supposedly alive um, in a world of Trump and walls and poverty huh. and all of that? <laughs> Frederick, if, if I may hold you, hold the question and we will um, come right back to that question for you, dear Frederick, when we come back from this break. But before we go, I do want to share a bit about Frederica Fels Marglin's Such a Mama Center for Biocultural Regeneration that was founded in 2009 as a nonprofit organization in the Peruvian High Amazon dedicated the, to the biocultural regeneration of the region in collaboration with the indigenous Quichua Lamistas, the descendants of the pre Columbian inhabitants, as well as with the local education board of the province of Lamas. The Sacha Mama Center for Biocultural Regeneration shares a worldview in which the human, the non-human, as well as the community of spirits are all kin to each other, treating nature as a thou rather than an it. By biocultural regeneration, we mean to honor this integration of all life as well as the cyclicity of its rhythms. It also is meant to obviate the backward advanced implications of more linear formulations. The Sachamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration is bringing together an expanding collective of scholars, activists, and students that cross the north-south divide. The center's mission is to integrate politics and spirituality, activism and scholarship, biocultural regeneration, and fair economic practices with the goal of nurturing intercultural dialogue. Its mission is to strengthen the ancestral legacies and other practices of the Quechua Lamistas in dialogue with them 
as well as with Shu, regenerate the pre-Columbian Amazonian black earth of the millennial fertility, collaborating with the local education board of Lamas to teach this heritage of the pre-Columbian ancestors to the new generation in order to slow deforestation, improve the local agriculture, and help solve the climate crises. When we return from break, um, we can hear more about the Sachamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration as well. So we will be right back after this break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Our guest today, Frederic Apfel Marglin, is the director founder of the Integral Ecology Program in the Peruvian Upper Amazon. Integral Ecology Program is a six to eight week summer program at the nonprofit Sachamama Center for Biocultural Regeneration in Lamas, Peru. The program has two parts where participants experientially learn to relate to the earth as a being, a thou, <clears throat> with many different aspects rather than in as an insentient mechanical natural resource they're they're exclusively for satisfying human some human need this program is focused on integral ecology in two senses one in the sense where the moral forces of concern focus both on the environment and the people or in other words both on nature and on culture the term bioculture biocultural conveys this integration between nature and culture not only in an ethical sense but also in an ontological as well as an epistemological sense nature and culture are 
ontologically not separate and our manner of knowing them equally integrates our human concepts, cosmovisions with what we attempt to know as the quantum mechanics of physicist Niels Bohr has shown and which more recently has been shown to exist at the macro level as well. And second, the term integral ecology is also used in a pedagogical sense in which the process of learning aims to integrate the mind and the heart, the spirit, the body, and beyond the greater earth body. And you can find more about um, the program on the the link. It's kasasangapia.com, Sachamama I-N. And that link is also on experiencerevolutionarywellness.com under the radio link. And you can scroll down for that. So, Frederic, welcome back. And Bio, welcome back. And I'm just going to open the space so, Frederic, you can dive right into Bio's question that he um, offered so beautifully before break. Thank you. Yes. Well, I to try to answer your question, Bayou, I, um, in a sense, you know, my program and my center is an answer to the, is my attempt right. to answer your question. Um, right. Because I personally, I'm, I'm not saying that's the case for everyone, but personally, I found it, uh, I could not do this uh, within academia. And that's why I left early. Uh, and uh, decided to create my own space because to connect, uh, you know, to connect the mind and the heart, the body and the earth body is not sufficient to do intellectual work, read and talk. You need to enact, to, uh, to use your body uh, Interact, intra-act, as Karen Barak says, intra-act, and, um, and, and therefore, uh, in, in this place, in this program, um, we do, yes, we do uh, some seminar work, but we also uh, work with our body, we recreate this Amazonian pre-Columbian soil, the most fertile uh, in the world and the most sustainable, and we uh, interact with uh, the descendants of the pre-Columbian uh, people who who invented, who co-created this earth with the with nature or the spirits of nature, and. Uh, and they invite us to participate in their rituals. And this is an inspiration for us. We do not want to be like them. There's no, no possibility to do that anyway. But to uh, show uh, students from the North uh, that uh, we are not free, really, to um, act and make decisions, what to plant, when to plant, how to plant, whenever we feel like it, or whenever mm. we think it's the right thing to do. We are not the only sentient being on this right. earth, in this universe. And we have to develop a sensibility uh, and a sensitivity to the non-human and the other human beings and presences in the world and be aware. So, for example, uh, very early on, uh, we have a, a garden there where we do our experiments. And uh, traditionally, for the Kichwas, uh, if a woman is menstruating, you do not enter the garden. So, immediately, I have to tell my women students, and they're always a the majority, they are women, uh, 
uh, I have to tell them about that. And I have to say, you know, if you're menstruating, you shouldn't go into the chakra. It's called the chakra, uh, the, the food field. And, of course, I have to be very careful of how I present this because, uh, you know, northern uh, women uh, immediately tend to think, oh, we're being excluded. We're being, you know, it's misogyny right. to keep right. us in the garden. So I tell them, I said, you know, agriculture here, as in all non-modern places, uh, is done according to the phases of the moon. And, and it's, you know that the moon, um, when it is full, draws the liquids. It draws the sea and produces the tides, but it draws all liquid, the sap in the plants and in our bodies. And you also know that uh, our menstrual cycle is the same as the moon cycle on average. And uh, so just as you have to know in what phase of the moon you are to do different acts in the garden, uh, we being in synchrony, uh, hopefully, or being connected to the moon, uh, we are, have, we are cos you know, cosmically connected to the moon. And we have to be aware of our state to make it harmonious with the state of the moon and of the garden, because the moon influences the garden. Uh, so you cannot just do as you please, when you please, be free to do everything, any minute, whenever, so forth. We are not disembedded. We are connected deeply deeply and we have to be aware of this and we have to learn this and learning it intellectually is not sufficient it may be necessary yeah. for me it was necessary but i know it's not sufficient i was just going to follow up with that quickly and just uh, uh say frederick that you know it, it's most people when they come across at least in my experience when they hear about this invitation to reconsider our, basically what you're asking of people is to rethink everything. We're basically saying reimagine everything. We need to take a quantum leap in how we see the world and how we see ourselves and how we see the supposedly dead others that surround us in our environments. And most people, you know, that I that I say this to, and and those you say it to, I, I guess. Um, at least those in my personal experience, they come up to me and say, what does it mean, though? I mean, how does this impact my life personally? I mean, what does all of this mean? And they get a sense in which they, I think it's, they, they propagate or perpetuate a sense um, in which uh, what you're saying about a vibrant world is cosmetic. That there's a real world that involves taxes and involves uh, commuting to work and involves turning up turning off the tap and turning off the lights to save energy and that's the real world but outside of it is new agey stuff you know using a derogatory way and basically that's it and, and and i think what you're trying to emphasize is that no i mean to properly account for the world we need to take cognizance of these material spiritual effects and because we've not done that over time 
we are caught up in, and I like the way you frame it, we're caught up in a secularized eternity. And I think, and I think that's a, it's a beautiful thing to emphasize over and over again. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, this, this was brought very close to me when I co-taught a course last uh, May in my center with a colleague from the University of Victoria in British Columbia in Canada. He was a great permaculturalist and uh, very eager to do this permaculture, indigenous permaculture, as he called it. And uh, he said, you know, I'm going to plant this seed that I brought uh, this afternoon. And so, and I said to him, well, uh, let's check with um, Racer, my, my indigenous um, uh, staff member, because it depends on the phase of the moon and it depends on the hour of the day. And he says, no, why should I do that? I'm free to do, I mean, the way I do it at home, I do whenever I feel like and when I'm able to do. And then together in the classroom, this all happened. I said, well, you see, that works if you think that you are the only thinking uh, sentient being around. But you're not. You're not. You wouldn't, you wouldn't barge into your mother-in-law's house without calling ahead of time or without knocking on the door and, you know, the etiquette of coming. You have to, you are, you are relating, you're interacting with another being and you can't just do it in your way whenever you feel like it. It doesn't work with people and it doesn't work with the beings in the world. And Finally, he agreed, and now I just came back from Victoria, he invited me, and he says, you know, he invited me to plant in his garden with the ritual, and we offered tobacco smoke, and we made a prayer, and he says, I can't now, now I cannot imagine not doing this. <laughs> he was completely transformed to my <laughs> delight. <laughs> wow. It, it, yeah. it. It's a, it's, a thing of, it's a thing of humility. I think we're, we're noticing our boundaries in a time when we've been thought, uh, I mean, taught to think that we have no boundaries whatsoever and um, we, we have no limitations. And, and I think that that was, the postmodern, that was the postmodern insight that we live in a realm that is entirely linguistic and all we need to do is learn how to speak the right stories and use the right words. And we have no limits whatsoever. But what we're coming to is a world that has bumps and grooves, a world that teaches us that we are beings within beings and we are ecosystems of becoming. And to really, maybe to live in a world, to have a modest Terran um, project of survival, we need to recognize these other beings and to recognize them is to come to see that we are not as exceptional or as unique or as independent as we think. Yes, this is a very uh, modern Western uh, disease to think of humanity as <laughs> exceptional. <laughs> we are so particular. We are so unique. It's not true at all. Not true at all. We came out of this, this earth, this cosmos, and we are of it. And yeah. to deny that has brought us to the brink of disaster, actually. It's, it's extremely urgent, it's extremely important. 
But to convey it in the present uh, zeitgeist and atmosphere is a tricky thing. You have to do it gently, carefully, choose your words very, very carefully. But if, you know, uh, at least with the, the story of menstruation, it has always worked. And I remember once um, I had, I always have a curandero, uh, shaman, come at the beginning to uh, sing and blow tobacco smoke to protect the students because I want them protected, nothing bad should happen. And something happened uh, totally unexpected and I forgot to tell the women, you know, if they're menstruating, you can't be here. I forgot to tell them that. And those women who were menstruating, two or three of them, got furious with me, absolutely furious. They never forgave me. So I really developed uh, great care in introducing this topic and the topic of you can't do what you want to do whenever you want to do it. You have to be cognizant and aware and sensitive to the world and the presences in the world. I do it and I... And, and, you know, I've honed my way of doing it and I get better and better. And lately it's going better than it used to. And that it is possible to do it. And this is why I love doing what I do and these courses and programs that I do at my center. It's so gratifying to, to see the, you know, it's like a flower opening. You know, they open to that other way of being. It's possible. And they are profoundly, uh, they feel profoundly connected, profoundly transformed to something hopeful. So I love, I love doing It's beautiful. It's so beautiful, Frederick. I'm, I'm going, we have about a minute before a close of our show. And I would like to just um, take this time to say, you know, my co-host, my co-host today has been Dr. Bio Okomolafe. And to learn more about Bio's extraordinary work and learn about his upcoming events, please visit biookomolafe.net and emergencenetwork.org. And our guest for this two-part series is Professor uh, Dr. Frederick Apfel-Marglin. And thank you so much much, Frederic, for being with us today on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. And to our listeners next week, Frederic Bio and I will continue re- this conversation of re-entangling humans with nature in our part two episode, exploring um, how we might rekindle intimacy and recipro- reciprocity with nature, um, what needs to unfold for us to resituate and re-entangle ourselves within the within the other than human world about how these beliefs, values, and practices of the indigenous peoples of Peru and India recognize that human beings are in communion with other beings in nature that have agency, how ritual is the medium for communicating and creating and working with the other, the other than humans who daily remind the humans that the world is not for humans' ex- exclusive use and how when such relationships are robust, human lifeways are rich and environmentally sustainable. So mark your calendars for that. In the meantime, you can join us on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's Facebook page. Follow our Twitter feed at Revolution Well and connect with us on our website at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Until next time, may you be well and may we all be well. The 
thank you for opening your heart and mind to a new way of being, to greater degrees of self-compassion and wellness, and your experience of your own infinite potential with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Join host Rochelle next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time to turn courageously toward your own unique experience of health and wellness here on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, you too can experience revolutionary wellness. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.